I'm reading Proverbs 18.21 and it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So we'll get back to that scripture in a minute but um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the power of words, uh, power of the tongue, power of language and um, that's basically is going to be my theme is the power of language and of course by extension the power of your tongue the power of things that you say there is uh, a little known at least it's little known among us among people who are uninitiated to the law of something called the uniform commercial code and the Uniform Commercial Code is the underlying principle that our law is set upon. And we are considered ignorant by the law by the by the, the, the law standard to know that code. And that's what underlines all contracts, it underlines all laws, it underlines everything that runs our government. Uh, if you know that code, you can actually get out of a traffic ticket. Because <laughs> The underlying code says everything is based on a contract. So if you refuse to participate in that contract, <laughs> you're not, you cannot be held legally to that. So you would have to know the, the, the statute, you'd have to know the phraseology, you'd have to be able to go into court and to quote it. But the law consider us ignorant of it. So we have to have a lawyer to represent us who knows something about the laws that's on top of Uniform Commercial Code. I say that to say that everyone who's in prison is there of their own accord. Is there because they agree to be in prison. That's what Uniform Commercial Code says. You have to agree to be in prison. You have to give up your rights legally in order. No one can take it from you. You have to say, yes, yes, I'll go. You have to be a willing participate in everything. That's how much secular world know that we are sprung from God. That they can't take anything from us. We have to willingly give it up. Now I tell you, if the world knows that, if the law knows that, why don't we know that? Now, you know, somebody could hold a gun to your head, but guess what? You still got to willingly say, okay. They can say, I'm going to kill you. You have to, you know, you have to give up your right to resist in order for anything to happen. That's why there's so much consternation about the way image, way people look. You know, people want you to believe that they're something that they're not because they want you to give up your rights to dissent. Your right to say, you know, no, I'm not going to participate in that. And a lot of people who are who know about the, universe, the uniform commercial code are thrown in jail because they don't want that information being spread. So I'm not here as a as a radical. You know, I long ago gave up my rights to a lot of things for the kingdom of God. Amen. I long ago understand that. You know what? I am just here to serve the Lord, and my purpose on earth is to fulfill whatever He has for me to do. 
I don't want to be a radical. I don't want to preach radicalism. I don't want to preach, you know, anarchy. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you about all that stuff. I, I have a different purpose of bringing that up so that you know that I'm not just talking stuff that I hear other people say that I know what I'm talking about. So, so and not for you to rest your confidence in my wisdom. I, I don't want you to do that because I have scripture. <laughs> What are you going to talk about in a minute? <clears throat> so I want to talk to you about um, terms of philosophy. Now, a lot of people wonder, can animals speak? Does anybody have a have a have a uh, answer? Do, can animals speak? Can they talk? Anybody know? Yes? No? What about your kids? You think you think a dog can talk? How about a parakeet? Think he can speak? Yeah? Your parakeet can speak? What if a parakeet can speak with a little pea brain? You don't think a dog can speak? Really? Seriously? I came home one day. I had a dog named Shadow. I said, Shadow, how was your day? And he said, rough. I think that's pretty good speaking, don't you? (laughs) Um, Well, language and speech is very important. And so I want to turn to Genesis 11 chapter. And I'm reading from the, the Bible that Jesus used. King James Version? <laughs> the one that Paul preached from? King James Version? A lot of people oh. think that, right? <laughs> and we'll start with the 11 verse. So King James 11, 11. Well, King James 11 verse 1, sorry. So King James 11 and we're talking about verse 1. And it says, the old earth was one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and dwelt there. And they, they said one to another, let us, let's go, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people, are, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and they confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build a city. Therefore the name of it is called Babel, because the Lord did there confound their language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. So we have a very important... Um, reading in Genesis 11 about what we call the dispersion. And it talks about the fact that at one time, the old earth was one language. Now, linguists and archaeologists and even some theologians, if they're honest, would tell you that all of our known languages sprung from one root. In other words, 
At one time or another, everyone spoke one language. And if we go back far enough, we can find common threads throughout languages. For instance, I'll give you for instance. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so you're saying hallelujah, and you're using a language, at least for the first part, hallel, that goes all the way back to ancient Canaanite, ancient Canaan. And Hallel in Hebrew means praise. But in the Canaanite language, it says praise El. Hal is praise, and El, if you know what you know, Abraham called God El. And the ancients, the people who lived long ago, before the Jews came on the scene, before the Hebrews came on the scene, called God El. The whole world knew God as El. That's what his name was. And El was a bull or an oxen, and an oxen, you know, for us to know is a bull who was castrated, and he's just, his whole job is to work. That's all he does. He doesn't do anything other than work. And the bull in, in the Canaanite, Paleo-Canaanite, was the face of, a, of an ox, you know, horns and then the head, the nose and the eyes, and he was L. We get our... In, in uh, Hebrew, we get our first letter of the Aleph, the, the, the Hebrew alphabet, from that, L. And, of course, modern Hebrew said that word isn't pronounced, but in ancient, it was pronounced. Okay? Um, uh, in Arabic, it's a long A. In Hebrew, it's silent. But in ancient Canaanite, which the Hebrew language came from, and so did a lot of other languages, it is L. And L is power, leadership, mighty. And Hallel means praise L. And the Jews added Hu Yah, which means praise El, who is Yah. And of course we know Yah. We get, well, people said Jehovah, because that, that's a mispronunciation. They took the vowel pointings for Adonai, 15th century monk did, and made it Jehovah. But uh, closer is Yahweh, and of course we know Yahshua. Um, so praise El, who is Yah. So praise God, who is Yah. Or praise God, who is our God. Praise God, who is our God. Praise El, who is our God. So when you say that, you are going all the way back thousands of years, reaching to one of the original languages that was literally written with hieroglyphics. That's what it was written with. It was no, um, and you're bringing it into modern times and saying, "Praise El, who is Yah." So the whole world was one language and one speech. And I want to tell you, there was no looking at people and. And saying to them, you know what? You are yellow, so therefore I don't like you. Or you are brown skinned, so therefore I don't like you. Or you're a little bit light. Or you got blue eyes. Or you got red eyes. Or you got yellow eyes. There was none of that. There was no racial, ethical, eth ethic, uh, cultural, ethnic or cultural distinction back then. Everybody was working with everybody. Everybody loved everybody. Now there was fighting and infighting and cliques and family feuds and things like that, but it wasn't based on any kind of cultural or, or um, 
uh, or a nation type of feeling. There was no nationalism. Everyone was one. And so they said to themselves, you know what? We remember that there was a flood. And we remember that this God, this El, flooded this place. And so what we need to do is make a tower so if this ever happens again, a city that's elevated so that we'll be able to be safe. And they decided to form government and do certain things. And God said, you know what? If people decide they're going to be evil, evil is going to spread across the entire world. If people decide they're not going to worship me, then everyone is going to do that. So let's go down and separate them and so at least we give the people who want to serve me a fighting chance. So he divided their language and that's where we get a lot of the hatred from in our society today. You know, if you speak this language, you're good. You know, you go to to Canada and if you go to um, the French speaking portion of Montreal, if you go into Montreal or to Quebec at that particular portion of the country, and if you do not speak French, a lot of people won't talk to you. I remember going there and walk, going on the street in Montreal and asking for direction, and people ignored me. I happened to have someone with me who could speak French, and uh, the guy stopped. The very guy that I was speaking to stopped and, and spoke to her in French, but ignored me because I was speaking in English, and that's just the way they are. Um, People today hate black, brown, and yellow people. Uh, some people do. I don't happen to have a problem with yellow people. I married a yellow person. So I have a, I have a problem with yellow folks. Um, okay? Uh, and I like black people because when I look in the mirror, I see one staring at me every day. I go this way, the guy's looking at me. I go this way, the guy's looking at me. You know, I jump up. I go like that. He's looking at me. Hey, he's a, he's a dark guy staring at me. Of course, brown people I like. You know, my kids are brown. I don't have a problem with, with, with cream people or with white folks or red people. I don't have a problem with people. I don't have a problem with any language. I love languages. But there are people that have a problem with that. They call people ragheads and um, slint eyes. And, and they have all kinds of names for people. I don't. I, there's some names that I have to scratch my head. Where did you come up with that? I don't really understand why you're calling people names, but there are people that do. But it goes back to God saying, listen, I'm going to, conf I'm going to split them up. I'm going to split them up. Now, so, test number one, 101. God does not do anything that he doesn't repair it later on. If you read scripture enough and God does this move, he always has a counter. In, all, in other words, the universe is balanced. So he brings things in balance. Where in scripture does he undo this mess that he did way back in Genesis? Does anybody know? Yes, sir. Ding, 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 ding. You win the prize. And that's the second chapter. So let's go there. Acts the second chapter. And we're going to start with the second verse, uh, first verse, sorry. So Acts 2, start with the first verse. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost is fully come, they were all with one 
they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. <clears throat> now when this was noise abroad, <clears throat> the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in, their, in his own language. Everybody say own language. And, and they were all amazed and marveling, saying one to another, Behold, aren't all these which speak Galileans? Now, I have to tell you, the Galileans were a, a given a, a bad rap back in uh, first century Judea. They were considered, you ever, you ever hear people talk about the ghettos? And they say, oh, he's from the ghettos. Well, you know, in my neck of the woods, when somebody say you're from the ghettos, there's several things that they mean. You're uneducated, you're uncouth, uncultured, you're used to having nothing, you live in a shack, or at least in some place that is not, don't have a lot of amenities, you're not used to luxuries. So when they talk about the ghettos, and that somebody's from the ghettos, you know, there was a, a, a little series on TV many, many years ago when I was young. It was called George Jefferson, the, uh, Moving On Up. The song was Moving On Up, you know, and he moved from the ghettos to a uh, high-rise apartment, which this, the, 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 the implication there, he moved from having nothing yeah. to a place that was, you know, had all the amenities. So now he had a little bit of culture. At least he was trying to get culture. And, and that's the indication here that Galileans were considered uncouth. They were considered uneducated, you know, small town, not having much. How can these, they, 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 there's no way they went to university and learned like these languages. They're not speaking something they learned. How is it that these are Galileans and they can speak in all these languages? That's, that's unbelievable. That's, that can't happen. That'd be like a dog speaking French. It's just, you know, you would say, that dog's speaking French. It's not, so they were all amazed and marvels. Okay, now we hear them, every man in our own tongue, wherever we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, uh, uh, Pergia, excuse me, Pergia, and Pamphylia in Egypt, and the parts of Libya, Cyrene, Strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Greeks and Arabians, we do to hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So we hear them speaking what? The wonderful works of God. Now, there are some people that say this. In order for you to be properly baptized, you've got to be baptized in the name of Yeshua. You can't be baptized in the name of Jesus because Jesus would not answer to Jesus. He would not answer to anything other than his Jewish name. Well, I have I hate to, to break it to you if you think that, but Jesus would answer by his Ara Ara Aramaic name, 
of Isu. That was the name that everyone called them because they all spoke Aramaic in, in the inner country. Now, in the, in the countryside, they spoke ancient Hebrew, but in the urban area, it was Isu. And that was his name, Isu. That's what they called him. So, so you can talk about Yeshua or Yahshua, whatever the, the Jewish derivative you want to call him. But when he was on earth, his disciples called him Isu. Isu. That was his name. But here is the thing. On this day, God is saying, I don't care what language you speak. I don't care how you pronounce my name. They were all pronouncing his name in their own language. I don't care what you speak. All languages are now accepted. And by extension, all culture, all nation, all color, all, all, all stature, whether you're great or small, everybody's accepted of God. Now, some people believe we're going to speak Hebrew in heaven. And that's the, the language of heaven. You got to speak proper Hebrew in order to, to be cultured and, you know, to, to know your, your religion. And some Greek, too. Let me tell you something. It don't matter if you speak Ebonics. You are accepted of God no matter what language you come to him with. It doesn't matter if you say Jesus, Isu, Yeshua, when you get baptized, because he accepts all languages. It doesn't matter. You see... He wants us to put hatred of, of nation, love of nation, hatred of other nations, love of people. He wants us to put that stuff in our heart and get rid of all of the, the strife that we have among each other. Our country today is torn apart by strife of status, strife of culture, strife of nationalities, and that stinks now in the nostril of God. At one time, God used it to advantage, but now he's saying, no, not so much anymore. I want you to all be one. So, why is this important? Why do you think it's important for us to come together and to understand that what we say and how we say it is not as much, it, it's more important about what we say and not so much how we say it? It's because there is a lot of of power in our speech. You know, when I was growing up, it was natural for people to say stuff like, you're ugly, and you're not going to be anything. You're not going to be anybody. And I used to hear people say stuff like that to other people and to me. And I used to say to myself, you know what, I don't care, you know, I didn't tell them that, especially if it was an adult, but I said it in my heart, I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what you say about me. I don't really care what you think about me. The only person, now as a, a child of six and seven years old, I was having these thoughts. The only person that's going to decide what I'm going to be is me. And you may think that I'm stupid, but I know I'm not. You may think I'm silly, but I know I'm not. I don't care if you think I'm ugly or not. I don't think I'm ugly, and I'm the only one that, that matters. And I used to think that way as a child. And now... I'm teaching in Troy, in Troy um, school too, and you know what they call that? Strong side. 
They say, that's strong side thinking. Well, I didn't know anything about strong side and weak side thinking back then. I just know that I had to control myself and I wasn't going to let anyone else tell me what to think about myself. And it's important what, we, what words come out of our mouth because here, let's, let's look at Romans 10. Now remember, we're talking about you giving up your rights and you acquiescing to something that you should not. You saying yes to somebody's perception of you and you speaking the things that people want you to say and doing the things they want you to do rather than doing what you believe God should do for you or what you believe God wants to do through you. Romans 10 verse 6 says this, and we're going to read a little bit. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in thy heart who shall ascend unto the heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word, listen to this, the word, meaning what comes out of your mouth, what you're saying, is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, right? So we're not talking about scripture here. We're not talking about, you know, the word of God. We're not talking about anything else other than what's coming out of your mouth. And in the heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. So we preach to you, the word should generate faith in your heart and it should come out of your mouth. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, and the word saved there uh, is, is properly translated saved, but it can also be properly translated uh, delivered. You are delivered. For with the heart, Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to deliverance, or in this case, to salvation, and the words are synonymous. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth in him will not be ashamed. There is no difference between a Jew or a Gentile, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him. So here was Paul is saying, don't go to a preacher to lay hands on you. Don't believe that there's anybody more righteous than you. Don't think that you have to go to some place to get prayed for. Don't believe that you have to shake yourself until belief comes into your heart. The word is nigh you, that if you believe the word that's preached to you, if you believe the word that you, that, you, that, that you read, believe that God is going to bless you. Believe that you're going to have the things that God wants you to have and confess. Now, the things that we have to confess are numerous. I believe that it's, it's important for us to confess our sins, our weaknesses, our shortcomings. I don't believe that, you know, 
people talk about, well, you know, you can be blessed in whatever state that you're in. I believe it's important to get righteous with God, to get in a right standing with God. That's important. And I'm here to tell you today that I'm not a perfect person. I'm not here telling you that I have everything together. I'm here telling you that I'm, I, I'm a, 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 a fail, faulty person, that I'm not righteous. But I believe in confessing my faults to God. And by the way, a lot of people, I know there's some people that believe that you ought to confess to a man, you confess to the Pope. The person that you need to be confessing to is to the Lord. Amen. Because he's the only person that can forgive your sins. I was invited to a community of people who live in Waco, Texas, to live with them. And they believe that it's a community that you have to confess to. That the community, they have a community that they, that they live in and they have a commune that they live on and they have all things in common and, and they have a, a group of elders that they believe it's important for you to confess to them. And when you, you commit a sin, you need to go to them and you need to confess. And it's believed that they're, you're baptized into that community. That baptism is a communal thing. You, you don't get baptized to Jesus. You get baptized to the community. And so they're going off and doing all these things, and they're famous. They built President Bush Crawford residence. You know, they're, they're very famous people. They're called the Heritage. Um, you can see them on the Internet if you were to go right now. They're big time. Uh, you know, 20,000 people go and visit them every year. I don't care what they say. I know that you confess to the Lord. Because I went to the other side. And guess what? Blair Adams wasn't there. Joan Stein wasn't there. My mother wasn't there. Brother Farley, my pastor, wasn't there. My wife wasn't there. My kids weren't there. You weren't there. You know, <laughs> uh, um, you know Brother Dan wasn't there. Uh, it was just me and God, or God and I. And, you know, he, the conversation was this way. There was no one else there. So when you stand before God, he wants to know what you've done for him. So now, let's wrap this up. So, when we use languages in our words, I want you to understand that when God made you and breathed life into you, that you became living person who is a representative of God on earth. And your words are powerful. And so one of the things that I, if I can, you know, when I minister, I try to leave at least one thing that you can remember. Because, you know, you're not going to remember everything I say. It's, it's impossible for you to. You shouldn't remember everything I say. But if you can remember one thing or one point that I made, then I would have, I believe, made my point. I would have done something. And so if, if, you don't, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. Your words are powerful. And it's important that you understand that they have a creative ability. Life and death. Oh, by the way, you notice that I'm reading a lot better. I'm not doing this as I used to do. Because um, I, I went to the doctor and... Uh, he said to me, Mr. Bailey, your eyes are really bad. And um, I do a thousand of these a year, and I don't know if I can do yours. I'm very nervous. I'm extremely nervous about surgery on you. 
And as a matter of fact, Mr. Bailey, I can't guarantee that if I do search in you that you're going to be able to see again. As a matter of fact, you might go blind. And I'm telling you this because in full disclosure, I have to. And to be honest with you, I don't want to operate on you. So what do you think? <laughs> I said, well, doctor, here's what I think. You do your job. Do your best that you can do. And I know somebody that can do the rest. Amen. He said, I said, yeah. He said, well, if you get a direct line to him, can you talk to him about some things to me? <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny guy. <laughs> Point is that, you know, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I had no idea. But I, I put myself in the hands of God. And my words were, God, I knelt down and I said, God, I put myself in your hands, not in the hands of the doctor. And however this turned out, I'm good with it. If I don't see again, I'm good with it. But if I do see again, I'm also good with that. Amen. However it turns out, I put myself in your hands. And you see, that's what we have to do. We have to say, God, I am not going to speak death to anybody. I'm not going to speak evil to the situation. I'm going to speak life. But I'm going to do it according to your will. So however, you, if you, whatever your will and your purpose is for me. You know, we have a man as president who famously liked to fire people. He does it in reality TV. He does it, he does it in, as a president of the United States. He fired him by Twitter. Um, he does it to contractors that work for him. I'm told, I, I was, I heard that a lot of people have worked for him over the years, and if you didn't like the job you did, he wouldn't pay you. You know, that's literally fine you by lack of pay, right? Um, but if God fires you, guess what? Guess how he fires you? If you just Decide that you're not going to do the work that he has for you or you're going to use different words that he wants you to use. And he says, you know what? I'm going to fire Randy. Guess what happens to Randy? Well, you think about it. So I decided that I don't want God to fire me. So I want to use. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. And so, how do you eat the fruit of your tongue? When I said to that doctor, Doctor, you do your best job. Do your job. And I know somebody that can take care of the rest. So I'm eating the fruit of the, my word of my tongue. So now I can... See words like this. I can put down and be normal. I consider that normal. Okay. Now this eye is totally blind. I can't see anything. I believe you're there, Dan. I guess that you were over there, Randy. Um, Brother Sam, I can't see you. Um, the point that I'm making is, you know, I can. This eye, I know how it was before, and this eye is better. And I'm eating the fruit of what I said and it's not so much my words but I depend on the Lord so I want you to remember that the words that you speak are powerful 
And uh, we should be, we should put our tongue and the things that we say in the hands of God. And we should only say the things and believe the things in our heart that we, be, uh, that we believe will bring fruit and things to life that are, Brother Randy, that are um, healthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.